Back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast, the NIT edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. Uh, Selection Sunday came and went. Cowboys did not get in. Uh, Joining me right now is Kyle Porter, as always. Kyle, I don't, I don't think either of us are surprised necessarily, but uh, we're like a we're like a parent who's like upset with their kids. (laughs) Like I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, we both uh, we both predicted that. I think. You predicted that they that Oklahoma State would not get in, correct? No, I I I thought the committee was smarter than that, but shame oh, okay. on me for shame yeah. on me for thinking that. Yeah, I predicted that they would not because for Oklahoma State to get in, and this was sort of the the premise of my prediction is that the NCAA selection committee would have to be would have to prove itself as a progressive organization <laughs> to look past some of these archaic numbers that we see them use to get teams in. And uh, the NCAA is not necessarily synonymous with uh, progressivism. And uh, so that was kind of my basis for predicting that Oklahoma State would be left out. And they were. And Carson, they weren't even one of the first four that were left out, which I think that part was actually pretty surprising to me because it it really felt like there was at least a little bit of momentum for them to be one of the – I don't know, first four out or last four in or kind of somewhere in that that eight-team range. That's the most startling part to me, Kyle, is that they weren't even like a discuss and really in discussion to make the tournament when you come down to it. Um, I think it's a joke. I mean, I I don't I'm not going to come out and say it's a disgrace like Dick Vitale did, but <laughs> I don't I don't see how there's I don't I don't know a world in which you can take Oklahoma over Oklahoma State. I guess that world is it's the NCAA and they they want ratings and they want Trey Young in the tournament. That's the only argument I guess you can make for Oklahoma because. Kyle, they won one true road game all season. One. Yeah. That was at, that was at TCU, the first Big 12 game of the year. Uh, I guess we'll give them two. They, they, they did beat Wichita State in Wichita. It wasn't technically in Wichita's campus, but hell, OSU's played there before, and that, that's a yeah. road game. So we'll give yeah. them two. They won two road games all year long. Good teams won on the road. Oklahoma's not a good team. They lost 11 of 15. I just am baffled at how they can put OU in. And I think a team that... Probably deserves to be more upset than Oklahoma State's Baylor. Mm-hmm. Baylor had a higher seed in the tournament. Baylor basically got punished for having a bye in the Big 12 tournament. Mm-hmm. I, think, I mean, if they drummed OU, they'd probably get in, right? If they were lower seeded. That, that to me is crazy. But but I, my biggest gripe, Kyle, with OSU not getting in is the reasons. You know, and you, I think you did a really good job on your five thoughts piece you put out. Uh, people need to go read that. We're, we're focused on the wrong things. Mm-hmm. We're, we're focused yeah. on like how well Pepperdine did this year or Oral Roberts or even Pitt, which we can t- do the whole podcast about how they scheduled Pitt and Pitt just happened to be terrible this year and how that's supposedly OSU's fault. Yeah. So I think we're, we're not focusing on the 18-game conference schedule in which OSU beat, who's a, beat a who's who in the conference. We're not focused on how good of a basketball team they are. We're focused on our archaic stats that have no relevance on how good of a, no one, no one on earth thinks OU is a better basketball team than OSU. <laughs> not even OU fans. Not even, I mean, OU didn't even want to be in the tournament the way they played up in Kansas <laughs> city. Uh, but no, I just, I think we're focused on the wrong things and that's where I get frustrated. Look, OSU had their chances. Yeah, they should have, they, they should have won those three games at home that they lost that I, I was at all three, Kansas state, uh, TCU and Baylor. Uh, that's why they didn't get in, is they lost too many games. 
but I think their wins certainly deserve to put them ahead of teams that were in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, there's a number of different things going on here kind of simultaneously, and and one of them is um, just sort of the mechanisms that we use to determine NCAA tournament teams. And I think we can all agree that those are fairly broken and very convoluted and very just weird and bizarre. And then the second is how Oklahoma State sort of fits into those mechanisms based on their 2017-18 basketball season. And I, I have less of an issue, I guess, with Oklahoma State being left out based on the criteria that are used and more of an issue just up front with their criteria. And, and what I mean by that is that because this like strength of schedule RPI thing exists, you can go out, Carson, and this is, this is sort of a, a form of what happened to Oklahoma State. You can go out, let's say you play 10 non-conference games. If five of those are against the number one team in the country, let's say you play uh, Villanova five times, and then you play the number 351 team in the country five times, your uh, strength of schedule is in the middle of that. What What is the middle of that? 175? So is that a harder schedule or an easier schedule than just playing the number 170 team in the country uh, 10 times? Does that right. make sense? Because yeah. If, if you're playing the number 170 team in the country and you're Oklahoma State, you should hammer that team 10 times in a row. And yet, that is it, it, the way that I read everything and understand it, that is determined to be a more difficult schedule than playing the number one team five times and the number 351 team five times. That, that's ludicrous. Like that's a, that's a crazy thing because that that clearly playing the number one team and playing the number 351 team is is way more difficult because you have to play the number one team five times and yet we're left with this sort of empty i don't know there's just an emptiness to the criteria that it just doesn't make sense and people get so worked up about oh well oh you had a had a quadrant three win against ball state and it's like who the hell cares like why why is why is beating the number 180th team in the country any more or less impressive than beating the number 300 team in the country? That was that was kind of my big issue with everything is like all the wins past RPI 150, they're all the same. Like it's just the same game. It, it might be a, a different point outcome by like five or six or eight points, but it's 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 more or less the same game. And yet we're essentially determining tournament teams based on that strength of schedule. Yeah, they're bad teams. Like, who cares? Like, let's focus on the good teams. Who, who, what good teams did you beat? That's my biggest gripe with this entire thing. So, th- that's you're right. The criteria is is silly. But even if we go by the criteria, Kyle, where is this just gauntlet that OU ran that I'm hearing yeah. about? Where is well, this just this mountain they climbed in the non? They played the exact same non-conference issue that you keep hammering that point. Yeah, it's basically the same schedule, and they both had the same record, right? Right, in that they were both what three and two against their brutal non-conference, the the same non-conference that people think OSU just didn't play anybody. Yeah, so OU's best five best non-conference games: Wichita State, Arkansas, USC, Alabama, and Oregon. All those teams were in the top seventy-five of the RPI. Those are five good games. You know, I'll totally grant that. Oklahoma State's five best non-conference games: Wichita State. They played basically the same teams: Wichita State, Texas A&M, Arkansas. Uh, Florida State and Tulsa. Tulsa was a little bit outside. They were 88, uh, so they were a little bit outside the top 75. Now, OU 
beat better teams. So they beat Wichita State, who's RPI number 12. They beat USC, who's RPI number 34. And Oklahoma State's two best non-conference wins were against their two the two worst out of those. So Florida State was number 54 and Tulsa was number 88. So they did beat a little bit better non-conference. But, but essentially, like their five toughest non-conference games – were exact they played the exact same schedule and then once you get past like the hundreds 150 like I, I don't care who the opponent was but people are like well OU played a much more difficult non-conference schedule and it's like well yeah based on the RPI but look at who they actually played it's nobody it's Northwestern it's Ball State like these teams were terrible it'd be like It'd be like scheduling the – they're just really bad. You know, they beat Ball State by 40. That's not a good non-conference game. Uh, but they get credit for it because it's not Pepperdine, it's not ORU, it's not Charlotte. Yeah, see, that's that's literally the difference is Pepperdine and Charlotte versus Ball State and Northwest. Like, that's that's what we're arguing here. Like, that, that to me is why we're focused on the wrong things. So, I mean, again – OSU probably lost too many games. Would they lose 14 games? But this notion that that OSU didn't play anybody is just asinine. Yeah, they played 17. They played 17 quadrant one teams. Yeah, that's second most in the entire country. They have the best wins of any team that was near the bubble. Like that's I I, I still like again. I don't think it's some great travesty that that OSU didn't get in. Again, they they didn't do their part by winning more mm-hmm. games in the league, but. When I look at teams like Syracuse, like Syracuse didn't beat anybody with a pulse. Yeah. And they're in. So it's just it doesn't make any sense and and their reasoning makes less sense. It's it's weird, isn't it? Because we talk about we go back to the college football thing and it's like, well, did you did you beat any of the best teams? And now with college basketball well basketball, excuse me, it seems like that just doesn't even matter. It's like, well, did you how'd you schedule? Like did you because like when we look at college football, you're better off like if you're Oklahoma State or OU, schedule one Ohio State non-conference games, and then nobody cares about the rest, right? Like you, you can schedule whoever you want, and it's almost the opposite with with college basketball. You're better off scheduling 13 games against the 97th best team or whatever. And so it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of weird to to go back and forth with that, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the tweets that I saw about people saying, well, you got to schedule up. You know, they care about November and December games. And it's like, did you look at the schedule or are you just looking at the at the, at the yeah, that's that's garbage. OSU scheduled all the teams you mentioned, A&M, Wichita State. I mean, they, they scheduled people. So this OSU, notion that OSU they – OSU did. Yeah, OSU did. So this notion yeah. that OSU just, just scheduled a bunch of cream puffs to get wins is, is flat out not true. The other thing that's pretty interesting, Carson, is, uh, and I don't, I don't know why more people aren't talking about this, but uh, Oklahoma State played one more regular season game than OU did. They played two more overall because they got one extra in the Big Twelve Conference, but they also played one extra in the regular season. And I look, there's a there's a website called RPI Wizard. I've been down a couple rabbit holes, by the way. But um, oh my, <laughs> it's called RPI Wizard. And if you take out Oklahoma State's worst game. Uh, I think it was Mississippi Valley State. All of a sudden, their RPI becomes like seventy-seven or seventy-six, and you're like, "Wait a wait a second. So they're, and it ended up at like eighty-seven. So they're being punished essentially for playing an extra game against a bad team. What if they just, 
what if they like forfeited that game and said it and said it didn't count? Like, and I think that sort of isn't doesn't that highlight like the absurdity of all this? Yes. Why did they play an extra game? I don't know. I I I really don't know. I I, I have no idea. Well, it, I it was, I'll tell you this: it, it was fun to watch. You know, all the people that understand basketball, all the people who have played it, were just aghast that OSU was not in. Obviously, Vital, we mentioned Jay Billis. I thought was excellent. He he just eviscerated the committee for putting OU in. Uh, it, it's funny, you know, the analysts and people who actually played the sport and understand the sport, like they know how hard it is to go to Allen Fieldhouse and win. They're not looking at uh, Pepperdine's non-conference schedule and how they performed <laughs> on OSU's you know frame of reference. They're looking at who they go, who did they go and beat on the road. That is so hard to do. Oh, you didn't do it all year. Like I think the, bat, the, the, the the part that really confirms why OSU should be in the people that understand basketball are just like baffled. And, and with good reason. I mean, they beat, they beat way too many good teams to be on the bubble. And I think, Kyle, it, the Big 12 hurt OSU in a way. Baylor didn't yeah. get in. Yeah. Seven teams got in. And you could very easily argue that Baylor and OSU both deserve to be in, too. Uh, so they're, they're not going to put nine of ten teams in the, in, the, in the tournament. They just weren't going to do that. And so that's when it becomes Oklahoma or K-State or Baylor. And on down the line. And te- this, this is something I have a hard time coming to grips with, too, Kyle, is how is Texas a 10? Mm. How is OU a 10? Like, you, If you want to say OU and Texas deserve to be in the tournament, you can make that argument. But to say they're firmly in at a 10 spot and OSU is not even on the first four out, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Te- Texas and Oklahoma State are, I, I think I might have mentioned this last week, they're the same team. They played the with less same... quality wins, with less with less impressive wins. Yeah, they played the same schedules. They beat each other by one point. Same. I mean, it, it, they're they're as close as you can get to being the same team in the same conference, statistically speaking. I, I know that they're different from a philosophical standpoint, but yeah, to say that Texas is not even in the first four, and Oklahoma State's not even in the or in the in the excuse me the in one of the play in games. And Oklahoma State's not even in one of the first four out. It's like I, I just I don't get that separation. I don't I don't understand that that margin of difference and and really where it's coming from. Or you know when they put the tail of the tape up, you know in the blind resumes you've put up too. Like just go by that. Like if you go by that, OSU has a better resume than almost anyone on the bubble or even teams that got in. So it's just it's maddening. But I tell you, Kyle, it's I never thought I'd see the day. You know normally like Vital. And those guys are like screaming their heads off for like St. Mary's. I never would have thought we would have seen OSU in that position where like the entire country's rallied around Oklahoma State to get in the tournament. That was kind of a bizarro world. Texas was seven and nine against top one fifty teams. Oklahoma State was seven and ten. Uh, Texas was one and five against teams fifty one to hundred. Oklahoma State was two and four, and they were both eight and zero. Or excuse me, they were. Texas was at eleven and zero against teams outside the one top one hundred, and Oklahoma State was ten and zero. I mean, just, it's the same. It's the same thing. What was your favorite? Uh, yeah, no, no they're, they're the same team, and you said that last week, and I, I totally agree. What was your favorite uh, take from one of these bracket dweebs? 
as, as to why I was shooting Gannon. You, you put a few in your five thoughts, but I, yeah, I want to get your the, favorite take. The best one is the one that I think may have ended PFB Nate's life, and that was uh, <laughs> that was when Seth Davis said that Oklahoma State played too many good teams. Yeah. That that one, I was like, uh, "What what are we doing here? Why why are, why are we doing this?" That that was on par with Lenardi saying that they didn't <laughs> give themselves enough chances to lose. Then that done that in at the reverse statement, basically. So wait a second, <laughs> yeah. they didn't play enough good teams last week. Now they played too many. Yeah, that's that that highlights the absurdity of it all. Yeah, <laughs> PFB Nate had to probably take a walk after that one. Probably just go. <laughs> Take a walk around the neighborhood. Okay, okay. See, Dave and I—I I just emailed him and like to see if we legitimately need to check on PFB Nate, like see how he's doing. <laughs> how's how's OKC Dave doing? This is usually where he thrives, making the, the nerds look like idiots. Yeah, I've been, I don't know. I feel like he's, he's been asleep been... at the wheel. I'm disappointed in OKC Dave. Well, he's listening. He, here's the thing. He probably is listening. Here's the thing. I, so throughout all of this, I, I think it's been really easy to highlight what's wrong with the system, and yet it's also been somewhat difficult, I think, to to kind of grab hold of a reasoning for why Oklahoma State should definitely be in the tournament, you know. And and maybe I maybe I just haven't found the right angle, and I didn't let, like you can you can make the case, and it and it's a you know it's a decent case, but then you can come back with another case for a different team. And, and I think it just highlights how, how difficult the um, decision is to put teams in. And, and, here, and here's one of my points, Carson, is when it comes down to margins this thin, like if you're the selection committee, it's so easy to put Trey Young in the tournament, right? Yeah. It's so it's so easy to put Syracuse. In I guess game. is it fun watching Trey shoot thirty percent and get beat? Their average, their last five losses, they've lost by an average of twenty one points. Like I guess well, that's easy yeah, to put him in. But but there's buzz around it either way. People care about Trey Young, whether you true. whether you want to root against him or or root for him. Uh, it just it just becomes it those those decisions just become somewhat easy and and frankly, I mean nationally, like it it's not great for us, but nationally it makes for a better or more in and not better, but more interesting event. Yeah. You can make the argument if Trey Young was on OSU, he'd, OSU would probably be in. Yeah. I think they would. But I, again, this isn't an OU versus an o, OSU thing, but if you just look at their resumes and what they did this year, there's, there's no way you can put OU in over OSU based on who they beat and, uh, how, how they played against each other too. I mean, I know head to head's not a factor, but just their actual resumes, it shouldn't even really be that all that close because well, again, and, and, I'm, I'm failing to see this this gauntlet that OU ran in the non like people people act like they played Villanova, Michigan State, Kansas. Well, they did play Kansas in the conference, but you know what I'm saying Virginia. They played all the number one seeds, and they're not, that's not <laughs> yeah. that's not true at all. Yeah, uh, Scott Van Pelt said it last week, and I agree with him. You, you couldn't watch that Big Twelve tournament opener and say that that OU was the the tournament team out of those two teams. I mean, you're no, just... Heck you no, heck no. You couldn't do it. Now, where do you stand on... I've seen a lot of people talk about body of work versus kind of what you've done recently. Where do you stand on that? Oh, I mean, I don't like to just determine it based on the last 10 games like they used to. I mean, that's not determinate, but I like to look at it as a whole. I, I agree that you have to factor in OU was 14-2. and two. I, I agree with that, but like we're playing the tournament this week. What, what, what are you right now? 
that matters too. So I, I think you have to factor in, you know, if you went like five and five in March or uh, February and March or whatever, like that's okay. But if you went, if you lost 11 of your last 15, that should absolutely be a factor. Yeah. If you look like you didn't even want to play a game last week, <clears throat> that should be a factor. But we don't make that argument in football, right? Like we always make the argument, what you did in September matters more than, or as much as what you did in November, don't we? Yeah, but they play twelve games. I mean, that's that's way you only play twelve. Yeah, that's a good point. So there's that's much true. less much less uh, margin for error. Yeah. Um, How did you did you like Trey Young's celebration on the Selection Sunday? I don't know how we can talk about this in a in a professional uh, way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We don't will not get that. will not get me in trouble. I'm just kidding. It was kidding. it was not my favorite thing to watch. No. <laughs> I, well, they're uh, they're playing uh, Rhode Island, so we'll see how they do there. Yeah, go Rams. Go. Isn't one of the Hurley brothers the coach of Rhode Island? Danny Hurley. Danny Hurley. Yeah. Yeah. They play yeah. like it. That's a confusing thing, though, Kyle. Like they they want to Trey Young for like ratings. They're playing like at eleven fifteen. <laughs> I guess it's the first game of the tournament. Is it on Thir- uh, on Thursday? Yeah. yeah. There, there, there'll be a lot of people watching that. That's true. Uh, okay. It's time for the Coupel Works Toast of the Week. Carson, I hope you got your toast ready. We got a we got a bracket that we're coming out with, by the way. Uh, our intern Jacob Overton made it, and I think we're going to start unveiling it on Tuesday. Uh, Coupe Ale Works, bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coupe Ale Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Carson, do you want to guess? I let Jacob make the top four. Uh, seeds in the bracket. <clears throat> he was going to do it based on sales, and we kind of whiffed on s- some back and forth with the numbers. But can you guess the top four seeds in the bracket? Uh, Coop F5's number one seed. Yep. Uh, number two would be the Elevator Wheat. Uh, number two is, hold on, let me pull it up. Sorry, I don't have it in front of me. You don't have it memorized? No, I don't. Uh, F five was in, was an easy number one. Uh, number two is the horny toad. Oh, okay. Elevator wheat's got to be three. Yeah, Vader's three. Four would be DNR. Uh, DNR was five. Native amber was four. Native amber four. Okay. Yeah. So those are your top four seeds, and then we got some uh, we got some Cinderella stories. We got some sleepers down low. We've got the Tyrant Siren as the nine seed, which is like oh. the most. It's the most nine seed uh, ever. Like that's just the perfect number nine seed. That's a bad draw though for uh, for Saturday Siren having to play the one seed next round. Yeah. Or how's it bracket work? I guess it's not one through sixteen. But. Yeah, I think uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it is. Uh, I think it is nine again. I think eight nine plays one. So okay. could, could F five could be in trouble. Yeah, I mean upset alert. Um. Yeah, it's gonna. We're gonna have fun with it. It'll be great. Uh, okay, who are you toasting this week, Carson? I'm gonna toast a DNR because he needs resuscitating to uh, PFB Nate. Uh, he he has emerged from troll commenter on the blog to <laughs> to must follow uh, come tournament time and just pointing he out all the he's pointed out so many of the uh, just ridiculous notions that come around deciding which teams are going to play in the NCAA tournament. He just called out so much BS 
from from near and far, all the way across the internet. If he if there was some absurdity being spouted out on Twitter, he would find it and burn it down, down to the ground. So I want to toast PFB <laughs> Nate for bringing his A game in March. I think he needs to take a nap or re- re- recharge his batteries because he 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 looks spent there on uh, Selection Sunday. Yeah, he was he emptied the tank. Um, I'm gonna toast. What, what what are you toasting to him? Oh, a DNR. DNR. I'm gonna toast a uh, a good old Oklahoma F5 to uh, to Dickie V. Dick Vital. How <laughs> I'm gonna read the quote. Uh, how in the world can Oklahoma State be sitting home today in Oklahoma in the tournament when Oklahoma loses 11 of their last 15 games? They didn't win one game in the year 2018 on the road. <laughs> this is so good. And on top of it, Oklahoma State beats them twice. Not once, twice. Oklahoma State beats Kansas twice. Oklahoma, State's be- Oklahoma State beats West Virginia at West Virginia. Oklahoma State beats Florida State. I have seen no logic. That's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> they can give me all the talk they want about early. What did they do early? What they did early, 14-2. and two. There was no way in the world Oklahoma State, if Oklahoma's in, Oklahoma State had to be in the tournament. I think it's a disgrace. So he said it for you. I think it's an embarrassment and it's a humiliation of what this tournament is about. <laughs> to tell you the truth, it frustrates the hell out of me. Wow. So there we go. <laughs> well, and how about Charles Barkley too? Yeah. He was he was ripping the the uh, Rasmussen guy, the committee guy. Yeah. So Yeah, it just uh, I mean just common sense tells you it's it's crazy that OU's not only in but a ten seed. They don't even have to play a playing game. <laughs> Yeah, an F an F five to Dickie V for his uh, stumping for. Yeah, Oklahoma I mean, State. He, who knew he knew some? He knew they played basketball outside the ACC. <laughs> and you know why Dickie V's so adamant about that, right? He uh, he called the OU game at Kansas when they got beat by like a hundred. Oh yeah. So he had to sit there and watch it for two and a half hours. Yeah. Man, so I, he's, I, he's personally you know, offended after going going all the way to Lawrence, Kansas, to watch that game. Yeah, and it's it's been interesting to to sort of follow the the state media over the state media. It sounds like we're in China. The uh, the media in inside the state of Oklahoma over the last two months because you've seen people not. I don't know if they've turned on OU, but they there's certainly been this sense of like, are they do they even care? Like, are they even are they even trying? You know, I think Jake Trotter tweeted that. No, no, no media member in Oklahoma City or in uh, Kansas City thought that OU would be left out, and yet nobody thought that they deserved to be in. And so it's just this weird. I had a, it's kind of a bizarre state of just where they're at right now, and and sort of the opposite was true of, of Oklahoma State. Of like, man, they look like they care. They look like they're good at times, really good at times, and, and they just look like a tournament team. I know we hate the eye test, but. Um, over the last month of the season, they just looked like an NCAA tournament team, and OU did not. No, totally. I mean, again, OU's got some real problems. I don't know if it's chemistry. I don't know if it's just, you know, one thing we do overlook with OU, they started out so hot, you forget that they were dead last in the Big 12 last year. Yep. So they're just, they're really not a very good team. They have Trey Young, which, you know, and again, Trey Young was awesome on like neutral courts outside the Big 12, so maybe maybe he'll get hot come uh, March. Maybe that's something they looked at. I don't know, but but yeah, two teams heading in the opposite directions. I mean, OSU when they played OU in the Big 12 tournament, when Kendall Smith was on the floor, it was not close. I mean, they were they were well on their way to blowing them out until Kendall Smith got in foul trouble, and they still won comfortably. But yeah, the two teams 
are not close as far as how good they are. Yeah. You know, if they want to, you look at the numbers and the ratios and the RPIs and all that, <laughs> all that stuff. You know, I guess you can make a case, but I still don't see the case for. You know, Jay Billis said it was borderline indefensible that OU was in the tournament. Yeah. That's Jay Billis talking. That's not me. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Okay, uh, uniforms. Let's get to this week's uniform preview brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Okay, Carson, I've got some stats for you, NCAA tournament stats for a number of brands that are in the NCAA tournament. Have you seen this tweet? No. Okay, how many how many Nike teams do you think are in out of out of the sixty eight teams in the NCAA tournament? Fifty two. Uh, pretty close, forty seven. That's up from uh, forty last year. Wow. Then you've got uh, eleven Under Armour teams down from twelve last year. Only nine Adidas teams. Good. Their, their first single digit in the last four years. No more Zubas or Jubas. What, what were those things called? Zubaz, I think. Zubaz. The I don't camo know. colored yeah, monstrosities. Atrocious. Uh, and then you also have one lone Russell Athletic team. Oh, who, who is who is that? Who <laughs> I don't Russell know. Athletic? I wanted to say Georgia Tech, but they're not in. <laughs> Georgia Tech, I think, is still Russell Athletic. I have no idea who it is, but that that made me laugh. There's been, it's gotta be like it's gotta be like Bucknell or Penn or somebody. Yeah, Penn. Penn might beat Kansas, by the way. Penn might uh, beat Kansas. There's there was one Russell team in 2017, three and sixteen, and three and fifteen. So Russell just holding just holding on. What it what I mean, what what's the marketing strategy for Russell Athletic? We're not Adidas. We're not Under Armour. How about that? Your precious Under Armour. <laughs> yeah, I kind of over. I kind of uh, got out of my world there. I think. A well, Russell last... Athletic is. We'll pay you more than Adidas to wear us. I only found one one team willing to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. You got any? Uh, you got anything else on any any more uni thoughts? That's that was my uh, uni stat of the day for you. Yeah. Um... What's your favorite uni in the tournament? Texas Southern, by the way, is the Russell Athletic team. Okay, I see that makes sense. Yeah. My favorite uni in the tournament? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Have they come out with any March uh, uniforms? Like, they always come I out with the... Any. They always come out with the new stuff. I I don't know. Uh, I, like, I like... UCLA's in, aren't they? Yeah, they're a playing game. Uh, I don't know. What's yours? Oh, it's definitely if they wear it. Uh, Michigan State when they wear the cursive state on the front. That's one of my faves. Yeah, it's pretty good. We've talked about this last year. Arizona used to be among our our picks, but they've gotten real weird lately. Yeah, uh, I don't really I don't really like the new Nike uh, wife beater tank tops they're rocking these days. Um, I like Gonzaga. Loved, I always like Gonzaga's uniforms. Yeah, like theirs. I've always loved uh, UNC. I'm pull up a bracket. Yeah, UNC. I, I love their unis, but just I've never liked North Carolina, so it's hard for me to fully yeah. embrace it. What, okay, how do you I feel got, about How do you feel about the checkerboard uh, with Kentucky? I like it. Um, again, all the all the traditional. I like when the traditionals maintain their uh, 
their tradition, like the checkerboard, the uh, what is the North Carolina thing called? Argyle. Yeah. The Argyle. Um, I, I hate what Duke has done. Have you noticed what Duke's done with their uniforms? Like their white ones, instead of having the blue panels on the shorts, it's just all white. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not, not good. It's not as good. It's not no. as good at all. No. Uh, let's see here. I don't know. That's about all the uni takes I have, I guess. Yeah, I I like I like Gonzaga too. I like Arizona. They're they're just I don't know. Something'll stand out and do you like Florida States? No. Uh no. Okay. Way too wild. Especially those gold ones they wore. That's not a good primary color. It's kinda like Ohio, gray. I think Ohio States are pretty good. Good, not great. Yeah. Okay, we'll 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 be watching over the next couple of weeks. We'll come back with some better better uni takes. Um, well, OSU better wear their cursive in the NIT. I know that. Yeah, for sure. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we'll come back and wrap up with some NIT thoughts and talk a little bit about Oklahoma State's pro day on Thursday. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, NIT, uh, I know it's the JV of, of March Madness, but uh, what is there to gain for Oklahoma State? What, what, what can happen here that will make you excited about 2019? Oh, I think, you know, if you make a run in this thing, um, it can lead to a – it can springboard you to next year. Obviously, you're going to lose a lot of talent. But I look at a team like TCU. Last year, they, they won the Big 12 tournament, uh, and they went on to – I think they won the NIT last year. Uh, so that, that really set them up for this year and they made the tournament and really heading in the right direction under Jamie Dixon. So I think, you know, Mike, Mike Boynton's from Brooklyn, getting to Madison square garden would be a big deal for him and it would be a big deal for these seniors. So I think that's what you play for. Uh, one thing we know about OSU is they're going to play hard. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what team would be excited to play in the NIT. Uh, at least they're at home. I think Florida Gulf coast has a much tougher task getting ready to play traveling to Stillwater to play in the NIT. So we'll we'll see how they do. It's just for me, Kyle. They, they have to hit threes. If they don't hit threes, they're a very ordinary team. And uh, they got cold against Kansas, which may or may not have to do with fatigue. But if they hit some threes, they can make a run. Yeah, I agree. And you could get your first two games. Uh, I think they do get their first two games at home if they if they win them. Um, so that'd be that'd be great. I. I you know, it's the NIT, and you know whatever. I I know that nobody cares. Um, Mrs. Pistols even said no respectable basketball blogger covers the NIT, <laughs> uh, which was hilarious. Um, but are there respectable know. basketball bloggers? Yeah, that, that was that should have been my response. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that I don't know. I uh, one of the, one of the problems here. I, I I do I do think there's momentum to be gained from it. It's like playing. It's like Oklahoma State playing in the Cactus Bowl against Washington. Like, it's not a good bowl, but 
you can you can take stuff away from it. The problem is they've got so many of their top guys that they're losing next year that they almost have to hit the hit the reset button on the roster. Not completely, but at least a little bit. And, and so I, I guess my feeling is if they were younger, if they had fewer seniors, I, I would be more into sort of taking something away from it than I am with guys like Solomon Carroll and, and Kendall Smith, you know, exiting stage right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, obviously they're going to be crushed. I mean, Solomon was emotional. Um, but again, he didn't want to play his last game. I'll tell you that he didn't want to lose his last game at Gallagher Iba either. So yeah, I think yeah, they're going to be the more sure. motivated team, which is totally different than uh, when Mighty Marist came to Stillwater and dethroned Sean Sutton and Gallagher Iba. A little different. Will Whittington. Who? My guy. He had 30. Will Whittington. He hit like your, seven. your guy? He hit seven threes for Marist. I went to high school with him. You did? Yeah. Have you said this before on the pod? I think so. You went to high was, school with a guy who played for Marist at one in Stillwater? Yeah, and they had he he seriously I think he had you can look up the box score. I think he had thirty one points. Wow. Yeah. Should have had him on the pod this week. <laughs> Give us some NIT pointers. That was I think Sean what what year was that? Oh nine? Uh it was the year before Ford. That's probably two thousand eight because Ford was hired after two thousand eight season. This is great radio, by the way. No, uh, they played. Was... They played Southern Illinois, and oh, yeah, it was it was two thousand seven. Oklahoma State lost sixty seven sixty four. There's no box score for it though. Uh, yeah, Will Whittington had like like thirty one. He was awesome. Um, okay, final thing I got for you: Oklahoma State's pro day on Thursday. Uh, are you going? And what are you looking for? Uh, just from the guys that'll be working out. Chris Lacey told us that. He's trying to run in the four fours at, at OSU's pro day. He was a little disappointed that he didn't break four five at the NFL Combine. Um, just what are your what are your thoughts about pro day? Oh, I have very few thoughts on pro day. It does about as much for me as the combine. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I hope Chris Lazy runs fast. Uh, that would be good for his his NFL stock. But uh, I don't know. I mean. I, I'm not really looking forward to anything with Pro Day, to be honest with you, Kyle. Sorry to be a Debbie Downer. Are you looking forward to something at Pro Day? Yeah, I th- I just I don't know. I I think it's I think it'll be interesting to see guys like Brad Lundblade and uh, some of the other seniors who weren't invited to the NFL Combine to see if they if they show anything. I think um, I don't think Chris Carson was invited to the NFL Combine last year, and then all of a sudden he shows up at Pro Day, and you're like, whoa, who's this guy? you know, just, just from his workout. So I don't know if anybody will pop like that this year. Um, but I, I think it's fun to see the guys who are not kind of the superstars get their workouts in and, you know, hopefully get on an NFL team next year. Is this the day that like Rob Glass truly just walks around like he owns the place? Yeah, totally. Those NFL scouts around. I found the box score, by the way. Uh, Will Whittington, eight of 20, five for 13 from three, 10 of 10 free throws, 31 points. Uh, he owes uh, Sean Sutton a beer, a coop. Oklahoma State's leading scorers that day were Mario Bogan, who had 12, and Obi Vanello, who also had 12. That's not the game that David Mons headbutted somebody, was it? 
Uh, David Mons had zero points and only took one field goal, so he might have. <laughs> it might have been the game that, or maybe it was Mario Bogan that headbutted somebody. I can't remember. Mm, yeah, that sounds more like it. It remember ended Ken- poorly. That, remember, that entire era. Remember Kenny Cooper? Yeah. He should he have been a, good. He was a good recruit. Um, transferred to like Law Tech or something. He looks like uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. We head. were uh, we were discussing recently the the recruiting that recruiting class. Gerald Green was like the number one overall player. Uh, Keith Brumbaugh was like the number ten overall player. Uh, and they had like three or four top fifty guys. That class was insane. Yeah, they had it e- was... Eton and Terrell Harris and Roderick Fleming was like a top fifty guy. <laughs> yeah, they it... had so many dudes in that class. It was a joke. It was it was unbelievable. Um, hopefully, Mike Boynton can uh, can can start uh, scoring those recruiting classes. I don't know if uh, I don't know if he can get it that good, but anything close to that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, needs to land the Boone Twins at Tulsa Memorial and uh, just keep the in-state talent here. He'll have a good, good successful career. Yeah, more Boons, more Kyles. Uh, we will hopefully be back later in the week. You and I. Uh, did you? Do you want thirty seconds to talk Tiger? Oh, I don't know where to start. <laughs> um, I was up until midnight last night, so this is this is a bittersweet uh, thing for me in that it's awesome. Like it's awesome. It's so cool, but it's also all the, all the work, all the content. And it's just, it's kind of tiring too. I may or may not have, I was at work yesterday. I may or may not have done the tiger run and two fisted fist pump that he did when he won the U S open when he, when he made the putt on 17, I may or may not have done that. My leg wasn't broken, but I did do the double I might have dropped a few, um, not for TV words, like Tiger can. <laughs> kind of like he did when that putt dropped. Um, that that was my Sunday. I, I was totally riveted. Uh, I am so ready for the Masters. I think they need to get his jacket ready. He's he's going to be the favorite, Carson. Yeah, I did notice Rory like shot a nice, nice crisp 74 on Thursday. <laughs> what did he shoot on Friday? Uh, 75, 73. Yeah, yeah, he's not, he's, not he's good. The new Tiger, right? Yeah, he's he's on Tiger's level. Him and Spieth are uh, are in a bad way right now. Yeah, but Spieth will Spieth will play well at Augusta. He owns that yeah, place. He will. So Rory sure. does not. So you need to probably give up on him. <clears throat> he's twenty. He's twenty eight. We got we got a lot of time. No, oh, yeah, I know. I'm just saying I, he's he's not he's not head and shoulders above anybody. Well, okay. You wouldn't have been saying that in 2014. That was four years ago. Okay. Well, I'm just saying things changed. Tigers sucked four years ago. Yeah. It was only health related. <laughs> when, he, when he's healthy, man, he's stud. He's. It's amazing to see how good his chipping's got since he had the yips just not that long ago. It's it's really remarkable. I mean, that that's the thing that of all the sort of – uh, qualities of his game that have been the most Im- impressive. I mean, he's always been great with his irons and a really good putter. He hasn't, he's never really been great off the tee, but his chipping has come the farthest for me. I mean, it, it, it's stunning how good he was at Valspar from, from around the greens. It was, it was unbelievable. 
And I know that uh, it, it was. And I know that, you know, how, however you feel about equipment, but when he has a tailor-made driver in his hand, it looks like he has a bazooka in his hand. Like, it doesn't look fair with him well, with, he, like, a tailor-made driver. He needs to not hit it. He needs to hit his three-wood and his two-iron. Well, the, the three-wood tailor-made, just, it just looks like a howitzer compared yeah. to... He's he's hitting his three wood really well, and some of his trajectory on his on his tee shots was just. Did, did he hit a stinger with his three wood at one point? Yeah, he was hitting it both ways with all of his clubs. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, you can you can, I, you can you, officially you can officially get excited about the Masters. Oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm there, and it it takes me back to when, you know, all the years we've watched Tiger. I was right back in that mode where every shot I just stare a hole through him to see how he's reacting to the shot. And when he doesn't move, I'm like, Oh my, this is going to be good. <laughs> or especially when he twirls it, then it's just, a, then, it's, then I'm just like falling out of my chair. I was, uh, <clears throat> I was legit rooting for a tiger Patrick Reed playoff. Yeah. I, it rubbed me the wrong way. Patrick Reed was wearing his tiger starter kit. Like, come on, dude, that's <laughs> respect. That's what, did you think, I mean, uh, Solly said this for no way up. Did you think he was not going to wear that? Well, I know he always does cause he idolizes tiger like everybody else. But if tiger's in the final group or second to last group and you're in contention, you, you can't wear that dude. Sorry. I Off said, limits. uh, I said they're going to be teamed at the Ryder Cup and they're going to just skip the U.S. uniform and wear red and black. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> and they would win, like, they would win in a, in a landslide, those yeah, two. Yeah, nine and eight. They would just... Reed turns into Tiger when he plays in the Ryder Cup. No, no, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Oh, I can't wait. It was eight, first week of April. Yeah, first week in April, we got uh, Bay Hill, we got uh, Match Play, we got Houston Open, and then we got Masters. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, get get excited. Okay, uh, Carson, good time today, and we will talk hopefully later on this week. Sounds good. Okay, see ya. Yep. Yeah.